Hello and welcome to another episode of the Compile Swift podcast. I'm your host, Peter Whittem. In this podcast, we talk about everything related to Apple platforms and Apple development, including macOS, iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, tvOS, and any other OS they've invented this week. So with that, let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? We have a bumper-packed episode this week. I am going to be talking about that new Apple Silicon Max and Big Sur and the latest release of Xcode, plus the small business program for the App Store. I've also got a pick of the week, and I'm going to give you a few little updates on what I've been up to. So let's get into it. All right, so first up, the new Apple Silicon Macs now have been around... Um, I think it's approximately a week and we are seeing lots of reviews now that the, you know, the, the please wait has been kind of lifted and, you know, people can start publishing their reviews. Plus some folks are getting them in their hands and doing their own real time evaluations. The upshot is this, right? There's a new Mac mini, a MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro 13, which I think is the perfect way to start this transition, right? That's three very popular machines. They are, I, I hate to call them the low end range of the machines because that really is not true. I don't feel there is a low range uh, kind of set of machines, but these are the more consumer oriented Macs, I guess is the way to describe it. Uh, with one notable exclusion, which is the iMac, but I am confident we will see that uh, soon, or, you know, maybe early next year. So in all the reviews, basically... All three of these machines have been blistering in the results, but it's a very interpretive situation right now, right? This is the first version of the chips. And of course, you know, the big thing here is that this new M1 chip, as Apple calls it, uses significantly less power and, you know, generates less heat from what I've read, which is a big deal to me because with my MacBook Pro 16 with the i9 in there, oh my goodness, does that generate some heat, even on simple tasks. So the notable thing here is the MacBook Air does not have a fan anymore, which would suggest that maybe they're throttling the CPU a little more than the other machines, right? The Mac Mini and the MacBook Pro 13 still have fans. And I think that the upshot there is the prolonged heavy usage of the CPU, you know, say like compiling software or something like that. Um, I think, you know, from what I'm seeing, you're going to get better performance in the Mac Mini and the MacBook Pro because of the active cooling, as they call it, those fans. Now, that said, none of these machines are, you know, low performers. They are uh, quite amazing. I don't have one. I'm quite happy right now with my MacBook Pro 16, but this is a very good start. And I think it's going to be very interesting once we see them, these chips, maybe the next generation of chips appearing in the iMacs and, you know, the MacBook Pro 15s, maybe the 16s. And in particular, the i, you know, the, the Mac Pros, the, and the iMac Pro, uh, the real performance sort of machines, as it were. I think that these chips are just going to knock it out of the water as far as comparison to Intel chips. Um, if I was Intel, I'd be really worried right now. You know, not that you're going to lose your market, but, you know, this is a big deal, right? If Apple switches over to their own chips and they're this performant, 
it makes the Intel range look, you know, pretty bad by comparison. And that's a problem for Intel, not so much on the Macs. Apple has made their decision. But as far as PCs and that, it goes to show that other manufacturers, you know, may be starting to overtake Intel again, and they need to think about what they're doing there. So in general, these Macs, even though they're capped at 16 gig of RAM, it appears that that's not too much of a problem because I've been reading that things like retain and release memory cycles are far improved with these chips. So that having less available RAM, you know, like 16 instead of 32, may not be such a bigger deal as it seemed at first. I think at first we all sort of winced a little bit, you know, as developers, when we saw 16 gig of RAM and we're like, ooh, I don't know about that. But maybe it's not such a big deal. It's so hard to know when you're transitioning to a new silicon and a new way of doing things, you kind of have to throw some of those old comparison specs out the window and say, hey, you know what? It's not like where we used to have to beef up on massive amounts of RAM. Maybe those times are changing. We'll have to see. But so far, everything is looking good for Apple on the release of these machines. Um, so that's good news in general for all of us. Next up, Big Sur has finally been released. And I have been reluctant to install it on my production machine right now. I've been running it on an external drive, um, and I've been pretty much doing it that way since, well, really WWDC, maybe a couple of months after that, and I've been running it there. Now, I don't personally have too many problems. I actually have felt this is a very good, solid release, but like many um, developers and that kind of power users out there, I use a lot of third-party applications. And so, therefore, it's important that those third-party applications are fully supported and work, you know, as correctly as they can on this new OS. So I've held off a little bit, but I'm going to be honest, I'm actually at the point now where I think I may consider installing on my production machine because most of my major applications do not seem to be having an issue with it. And a lot of the apps that I really love and rely have already put in place a lot of their big Sur updates. A couple of notable ones, for example, is always audio applications. And I use a lot of rogue Amoeba software, uh, especially for podcasts and everything else, and routing audio. And it seems like they've done a good job at either getting initial support or it's very close to being there. Um, audio applications for me has always been the big thing when new versions of the OS come out. A lot of developer tools have been updated as well. In fact, we even saw in the Apple presentation people like Panic Software with their Nova application, which now runs on the native uh, Apple Silicon, as well as, you know, the Intel chips. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of tools. So that's, that's good, I think, in general for software developers that we have this easier transition between these platforms and it's not really hurting us that, that greatly. So I'm probably going to be switching over here very soon. I do like an awful lot of things in Big Sur. And, you know, sometimes it's those little things. Of course, the the big thing that everyone talks about is the new look, which is nice and it's pretty. But there's just lots of little things that I like about it that, you know, I, I wouldn't say it greatly improves the experience, but it certainly makes it feel a little smoother and it's nice and performant as well. So that's Big Sur. And in fact, I did a poll recently on, uh, I had one on LinkedIn and I had one on Twitter and, you know, the question was, would you be upgrading? Well, interestingly, a majority of the results 
showed that people were going to wait until they see what other people had to say about it. So I feel like there's probably a lot of people in a similar camp to me. So that's, you know, we're reaching that point where those point releases are starting to come out. And that's when we normally start thinking about it. Time for a break. Break time over. Next up, talking about releases, Xcode 12.2 was released. It has support for Swift 5.3, and it has, of course, support for debugging both the Intel and Apple Silicon builds and supporting that hardware, which is interesting. And um, it also has support for running iPhone and iPad apps on Mac hardware with the, the Apple chips, which, of course, is another big feature of those chips on that platform. So it's good that the tool set is there. I'm, I'm glad that Apple took their time and made sure that they had all that lined up before those chips came out. Otherwise, that was going to be a problem. In another poll that I ran uh, on Twitter, I was asking about, I was curious because, you know, whether people would watch live streams or if they do watch live streams for coding and how they felt about that or whether they just didn't bother or, you know, I think the other option was that they didn't even know what that meant. And interestingly, again, a large percentage said, you know, they would be interested if they could ask questions in real time, which to me on live streams is always a big part of that, right? You know, if you can watch a stream, but be able to ask questions as the person is doing it and maybe get answers to those questions, that comes a lot closer to kind of a, a classroom kind of approach to teaching, I think and making people who are watching it feel a lot more involved than just watching a bunch of videos and, you know, trying to solve their own problems and go through it. So that was some interesting results. And I asked the question because obviously I do make a lot of videos uh, over on compileswift.com and put those up on YouTube. And I was curious whether I've sort of dabbled with some live streaming before and I really wanted to get a feel for what people thought about that as I make some plans for... Uh, next year, 2021, and some things that I'm thinking about doing there with Compile Swift and my videos and everything else in general. So thank you for, for taking those surveys and answering those questions. Now, um, another thing that came up this week, which I think is going to be very interesting and has generated a lot of conversation, which is good because we do need to talk about this. Apple has announced the App Store Small Business Program. Now, what this is, and there are, of course, I don't want to say gotchas, but there are some details that you need to be aware of. I am certain that you've not failed to, you know, follow this year a lot of the things regarding the 30% that Apple takes for programs that you, you know, applications you put up in the store, Apple takes 30% of the revenue on that. And all of the um, uproar and conversations that have taken place about that. Well, I feel like this is a good response from Apple, um, but I also feel that in some ways, maybe they didn't have a choice. And I think I even put a tweet out, if I remember rightly, saying that, you know, Apple just blinked. Because if you earn, and here's, here's kind of part of the rules for this, if you earn less than $1 million per year from the App Store, you qualify to apply, so you don't get it by default, you have to apply for it, this new small business program. And what it means is instead of Apple taking the 30% cut, they'll only take a 15% cut. Now, of course, that is nothing but good news for software developers, software houses that are either looking to get a foothold in the market or 
you know, maybe it's a part-time thing, whatever it may be, but the small business aspect. And this, I think, is really going to help. So I, first of all, I want to say, you know, thank you to Apple for doing that. But it is also interesting that if you think about something like, say, this, you know, this situation with Epic and Apple in court and some of the other companies that are sort of jumping on with that, including Microsoft, these are all companies that clearly earn over more than $1 million. So it doesn't apply to them. Now, interestingly, there is a little gotcha in there, right? If at any point during the year you earn over $1 million, let's say that you have suddenly a massive, like, you know, real viral program on your hands, and it, it goes over $1 million for, you know, even if it's like middle of the year and it spikes, goes over and comes back down again, that is automatically going to put you back in the 30% category for the rest of the year. So you do need to be aware of that, um, kind of a victim of your own success there. But I'll be honest, and this is just my viewpoint, but if I'm earning over a million dollars a year from the App Store, the fact that Apple's taken 30%, I'm perfectly fine with that. That is an awful lot of money left over for me. That's just my two cents on it. And, you know, do with that whatever you want. So finally, uh, on this, I got my new iPhone and I sort of teased and said I was going to get one because my contract was just about up and I wasn't going to reveal what I got. And now I will. Um, I got actually a, an interesting story here. I got two. One for me and, and one for another family member. But I personally got the iPhone Pro Max, uh, the 12, because I wanted the bigger screen. And I felt that going from my 10s, you know, the screen was bigger, but it didn't make the phone unmanageable. And having now lived with the phone for about, about four or five days, I'm very happy with it. Uh, the design worked out exactly as I hoped with those nice flat edges. I don't like them being shiny, but the shape of the design being more kind of iPhone 5-ish, which is my personal favorite phone, um, very happy with it. And the screen, of course, is gorgeous. The screen size feels appropriate to me. Um, I got the blue and I'm just generally very happy. I haven't had a chance to play with the cameras yet. I want to do some comparison between my professional uh, DSLRs and the cameras, just as a curiosity, really. Um, so that's the one that I went with, and I, I certainly don't regret it. It's worked out great for me. The other one that we have in our house here is the iPhone 12 Pro. And uh, interestingly, kind of a, a sad story here, really. Um, the upgrade for both of the phones were upgraded from a 10s, and I am on AT&T. And the Pro Max upgraded, no problem. Very simple, very straightforward, but I have had untold trouble upgrading the 12 Pro. Uh, I've got through three different SIM cards just to get service. So, you know, AT&T, that's a bad mark against you right there. It's ridiculous. The amount of time I have spent on the phone uh, is at least four or five hours with AT&T's customer service, and then I still had to go to the store to get it resolved. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Um you know, you've got to do better there, AT&T. It's, it's just crazy that even when everybody does everything exactly as you tell them, I still have to go through three SIM cards just to get phone service. That's just nuts. Um, Apple, I really wish you would do your own phone service. I really do. But I get it. It's not that easy and there's complications I'm well aware of. But 
boy, you would really just be teaching other companies a lesson if you could do that. Time for a break. Break time over. So finally, I want to do this new segment here. I've got this app pick of the week that I want to put in here. And the one that I'm going to talk about is an app that you can either buy independently or it's on the just fantastic set app service that, as you all know, I love. Uh, you can read more about that. You can go to peterwidham.com forward slash set app, S-E-T-A-P-P. And the app that I'm highlighting here is a new version and it's Code Runner 4 which is a very fast, very uh, simple to use coding. I don't want to call it an IDE, but basically I use it to put code in for many different languages, including Swift. And I can just type the code in, run it there and see the results. And, you know, I use it for Swift. I use it for, you know, you can put HTML in, JavaScript, you, you, Python, you know, all those languages that you know are supported in there. But it's great that I can just put in a quick bit of Swift. I don't even have to open up, you know, it's faster than Swift Playgrounds for me, for example. And I just run it up on my Mac, type some code in, do some things. Yep, worked great. And over I go into, you know, moving on from there. So Code Runner 4 is just fantastic. It's got a new release out. Like I say, I'll put a link in the show notes. You really should check it out as a developer to have an app like that that supports so many different languages where you can just punch the code in and hit the run button without any, you know, complications or builds or anything else. It's just really handy to have. So that's it. Long week, uh, long episode this time around. A lot of catch up to be done, but it's just a crazy busy time of year. Uh, if you are interested in ad-free versions and you want to support this podcast and get or download every episode that I've done, uh, all of season one and into season two, you can go to patreon.com forward slash compile swift and support the podcast and everything else on compile swift. I would greatly appreciate that. It really does help, you know, cover the costs of, of making all of this stuff for you all, which I just love to do. So that would be your way of saying thank you. Or you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash PWCOM. And if you want to just put some money in there and say thank you, that'll buy me a coffee. And Lord knows I love my coffee. With that, take care, everybody. Stay safe. And I will speak to you again soon.